Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. My name is Gary Cochilillo, your host, and today our guest is Ethan Indigo Smith. Thanks for coming on the show. Peace on earth, Gary. Thanks so much for having me. I'm always excited to communicate. Yeah, man. You know, I was kind of amazed. Like first, first thing I read was your bio on like your Amazon page, right? And and it says like. Um, you know, about how you like quit school, then got your GED, yeah. then went to college and, and then dropped out of college and all that. I said, huh, that's interesting. And then I downloaded your book. And within the first chapter, man, you're like quoting like Plato, Pythagoras, the, the, the um, art of war. I'm like, man, this dude's like a genius. Oh, well, I, I don't know about that. But I, I like to listen to people smarter than myself. <laughs> well, you definitely have written some fantastic books. Um, and the one I was just reading was the um, was the energy of geometry, the, the geometry of energy, how to geometry meditate. of energy, and uh, it's, it's amazing. And um, like, what inspired it? You know, I was uh, traveling across the country promoting my books. I was in what I, I jokingly refer to as the spiritual armpit of the United States, Sedona, Arizona. It is, it is a cathedral. The whole area is, is, is a cathedral. It's, it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's um, a really, you know, powerful place, if you will. And I was there having lunch with a new friend, and she mentioned a meditation process to me that struck me as being totally in line with the four dimensions of geometry that being points lines planes and solids or volume <clears throat> and and i mentioned this to her and she kind of like you know brushed it aside like she didn't really get it and and so the conversation moved on but the idea hounded me and um I was compelled to write the book, and at first I thought it was just going to be an article, but it expanded into, I, I like to think of it as a way to enhance meditation comprehension and uh, overall um, med find, find inspiration for meditation. Um, and so when we know, the, when we comprehend meditation as a tool, it's actually a bit more useful, of course, right, like any tool. Oh, absolutely. Like when I started like meditation for me, like changed my life, really. Right. It, it, well, it just changed everything. Cause, cause all of a sudden I became aware like one, um, my thoughts are not real and I don't have to interact with them. <laughs> that was pretty huge for me, you know, just to be able to step out of myself and observe. Right. Yeah. I, I, I feel like, uh, there's, meditation for you know pretty much everything um and in that way there are a lot of different paths that all lead to you know what what is often termed as ascension and and kind of left open to to what 
everyone could grasp that as being, but maybe left open a little too much to where people kind of go, oh, that's just, you know, okie dokie, spiritual mumbo jumbo. But ascension really is, you know, a, a process that we're going through daily and a process that we go through in our lifetime. I'll, I'll admit you would not have had me on my on your show if I was the 13 year old Ethan. Right. So that's, that's ascension, right? That is, that is a, a direct understandable way that people go, yeah, I get that. Right. So, but then there's many different layers of leveling up, if you will. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm completely different than I was when I was 13. That's for sure. Right. Right. And, um, and maybe there's some characteristics that you might've kept, but refined and a lot that you might have said, you know, that was a really ignorant way of behaving, you know, and and so on and so forth, of course. Um, and and you know, I I've written a couple fiction books, also one called The Terrorist Letters, um, and uh, you know, I, all all of the books I've written, I try to focus on raising consciousness. And consciousness can be kind of most simply understood as the awareness of awareness, right? So when we meditate, we can actually step back from the immersion of our mortal coil and go, oh, there's an interesting thing that I could enhance and there's a, a thing that I could remove. Absolutely. It creates a whole different objectivity. Right. <clears throat> and I know right. for me, too, it also eliminated sort of a struggle, too. Sure. Well, um, I share, I teach Tai Chi and I practice Tai Chi. And I, I like to joke that, you know, Tai Chi is a meditation. It's a martial art. And some of, some of the concepts and postures can be most um, initially, anyway, most easily relatable to the actual martial application, right? And I always joke that, you know, our, our, the person that we're imagining fighting is exactly your height and looks just like you because it's you, right? So we're, we're mostly the, the biggest wall in our way, if you will, is, is ourselves, right? In, in direct and indirect manners, right? We, we really got to mostly work around getting around ourselves before we work around getting around obstacles in the world. <laughs> right? Well, a couple of different philosophers smarter than myself essentially said, I, I think um, uh, Lao Tzu might've said it in one way or another, but um, um, if you or or no, uh, from from the art of war, um, if you know your enemy, you'll probably win. If you know neither your enemy or yourself, you'll lose. Or or if you know your enemy, you'll lose half the battle. You'll win half the battles. If right. you know uh, if you know yourself and your enemy, um, you'll you'll win a hundred percent of the time. If you if you know neither, you'll you'll lose always so <clears throat> knowing knowing yourself is you know uh it, again it seems like one of these airy fundamentals that are put forth a lot of the times but 
Tai Chi really and meditation um, activates this as a real tangible, palatable process, right? Um, especially Tai Chi, a little bit quicker, but meditation um, in total, there's a bit of frustration and a lot of confusion. And when we can in, start to indulge that and, and not reject it, our whole system can uh, relax and we're able to do things a lot better. Right. If we, if you've ever, if anyone has ever been in a situation where uh, they're at the edge of a cliff, it gets a little bit scary. You, you're, but you're dealing with a lion on the edge of a cliff, or what have you. A situation where, yeah, you have every right to be an afraid human. If you can cool it down just a little bit, you can deal with the situation a lot better. Just by changing the breath, just by being a little bit more mindful of how you're dealing with the situation. Absolutely. Um, so, so with meditation, um, how does the sacred geometry become incorporated into it? Well, geometry itself means a measure of earth, earth measurement, right? Right. And, and so uh, geometry is it's it, at its most basic and fundamental it's focused on conceptualizing the physical right uh, not to say that it's necessarily limited to that but that is what its center core is focused on is measurement of earth um geomet geo earth measurement metry and uh, uh meditation is not necessarily limited to this but it's focused on understanding the internal world right uh so um as as my friend was describing her meditation i i realized the or conceptualized the symbolism the metaphysical the beyond physical uh aspects in geometry having to do with the four dimensions of geometry and that these were not only a way to comprehend internal processes, um, but a way to um, see meditation um, instruction uh, that are and actually kind of create your own process. Um, so the the points symbolize concentration right um a point is a point of focus um whether you're in whether in yoga or tai chi or uh, innumerable esoteric meditative practices the point symbolizes concentration um so that's the first dimension of geometry <clears throat> the line symbolizes connection right and uh, a lot of meditation processes will simply work on that uh, idea where you connect with the earth or connect with a star particular or or your own however silly that may sound mm -hmm. um, and the the 
third dimension, um, which is uh, planes, um, it, the, the, the planes in their most optimal formation are circular, right? Um, the, the planes in geometry um, and, and the planes in nature uh, are circular. And so the planes I symbolize with uh, circulation, right? And so um, again, to maybe, maybe utilizing just Tai Chi rather than different meditation processes in Tai Chi, our point of focus we're so caught up in our minds, right? When I, when I say, okay, where are you? You, you? Most people are in their heads, right? We, in Tai Chi, we imagine being in our Dantian, which means our core or our center, um, and which is uh, a, a point just below our belly button, right? So um, in Tai Chi, we imagine having the uh, point as our center and we connect with the earth and vertically, we imagine that we're suspended as a puppet so that we have perfect posture and maintain optimal um, relaxation through the movements. And then we circulate the energies, a bunch of different processes that can be very simple and very esoteric um, that are... Um, using the meridians or, uh, uh, you know, the, the chakras and, and the connections between the chakras um, to move energy. Um, so circulation is, is the second, uh, excuse me, the third dimension. And uh, for the volume, as, as the basic geometry principle puts forth, um, is, again, most, most geometrically evolved and graceful um, uh, uh, as, uh, uh, subjects of or objects of volume excuse me are planets that are spherical right um, the, the the spherical um, tends to be what nature wants to create um, ultimately um, and I call that uh, dimension the volume expansion or excuse me unity expansion the, the volume dimension is uh, the concept of uni unity expansion, <clears throat> which in Tai Chi is most frequently palatable as uh, what I call perimeter awareness, right? So the more, the more one practices anything, the more, the more one spends at work, excuse me, the more time one spends at work, the more you're able to know, you know, five minutes before the mailman gets there that he's coming, right? You, and so the more you practice Tai Chi, the more frequently you have these experiences that are akin to looking over your shoulder and seeing just the person you were thinking about looking at you too, good or bad, right? Mm -hmm. um, so so the, the points, lines, planes, and solids aspect uh, um, or dimensions symbolize concentration, connection, circulation, and what I call unity expansion that most, most demonstrable through the perimeter awareness idea. I, I hope that all makes sense. <laughs> it absolutely makes sense. Cool. Um, like I know like, like the meditation 
technique that I learned was is similar to what you described. Like, sure. like first it was sitting, you know, sitting, you know, so I learned sitting meditation first, but, but first like sitting properly and connecting to the earth and then imagining like a string coming out of the back of my neck, holding my spine straight and then using my breath as a circulate circulation. Beautiful. And keeping I'm, my eyes half that. and keeping, we would keep our eyes like half <clears throat> open for like that awareness around me. Yes. Beautiful. That's, that's, that's an amazing relation to uh, what I just shared and, and, and really runs parallel with all of these different practices that all have similarities involved. Um, whether it gets to, whether, you know, it's, that's not necessarily basic, right? But whether it's a fundamental like that, or whether it gets to be really um, kind of hard even for people to grasp initially, but often enough, it has these four aspects. If you, if you step or, or if you are, you know, take a perspective where you're not just looking at what is actually being said when you infer, where's the point? Oh, there's the point and concentration symbolism and, and so on. That's pretty cool. Um, so, well, this is sort of as far as I got in your book is where you started to talk about the 108. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I am, I kind of, I guess some people would say that I'm, you know, obsessive compulsive. <laughs> um, some people might say, wow, you're really focused. <laughs> um, a couple of different numbers gained my focus or obsession. Um, and four uh, was the first one. And I, I wrote uh, The Matrix of Four, The Philosophy of the Duality of Polarity. And I, I, I met a gentleman one day and I was con conversing with him about four in, <clears throat> in Hinduism. And, and he said, you know, four is like everything in Hinduism. And I'm like, wait, what? And so I, I was developing this idea that I really didn't even realize was even older than in that what I had initially grasped, right? Because Hinduism is the, the Indian civilization is among the oldest, you know, putting together all these complex ideas and all this of writing and so on. And he said, yeah, and he explained to me about four, which I think it's worthy to just diverge from the 108 for a second, because when he told me about this aspect of four, I was blown away. And, and, and just, I mean, it's, it's really summarized what I was already kind of writing about. And that made me realize that, I, I don't know if I was right necessarily, but others were at least demonstrating the idea in the own symbol, right? That, that uh, is this swirly Sanskrit symbol, right? I, That's not I got one tattooed on my arm. Oh, oh, well, the, you probably, <laughs> you, you may know the four aspects of it then. And when you, if not, when you learn it, you'll never forget. <laughs> um, so he, he proceeds to tell me, yeah, four. Four is everything in, in Hinduism, not only because of this relationship with the gods, but the oldest symbol on the planet, the Om symbol, which is, sounds out in four 
sounds, A, U, M, and most importantly, silence, right? And is mostly spelled OM, but sometimes it's spelled A-U-M. But, but most importantly, there's four sounds, silence being notable. Um, and so the, the four aspects of the OM symbol related to that are sleep state and wake state. And this is, if you will, one polarity. Um, and mostly what we go through on a day-to-day -day basis. We generally sleep and, uh, excuse me, we generally uh, are awake and, and if we're lucky, we sleep. Um, and the third state is, and well, the second two states are deep dreaming and deep awakening, right? So right. Um, th this, is, this is what we like to pursue, we like to get to. And actually the third state is frequently obtained and it is this state where you're in the zone, where, where everything unfolds with little effort and you kind of have that perimeter awareness going on to where you seem to know that the pine cone is about to fall and you get out of the way or what have you, your, your athletic modality, your artistic creativity, you're in the zone. And um, the, the fourth state is, is essentially very difficult and it is the point um, behind the veil, right? So in the, in the Om symbol, the point is the fourth state of consciousness, um, uh, deep awakening, um, or deep dreaming. Sometimes it's you, it's pointed to as one or the other, um, but it's it's beyond the veil, right? So whenever would that, that fourth state sort of be considered like samadhi or nirvana? It's it's certainly potentially it's so um, um, not comprehensible for the average person. Is it it is the uh, land across the sea of Mara, which is in in Buddhist and um, um, thought the, the sea of Mara is the suffering of Nirvana. <clears throat> Excuse me, of Samsara. Samsara being the creation that we're in for now, um, and so uh, the the point is essentially Buddhahood or Christ consciousness. Very, very few have obtained it, right? Very few have crossed the Sea of Mara and come back to break it down, you know? It's really hard. Um, but the third state is absolutely attainable with a little practice and a little work. Um, um, and I like to, you know, think about meditation and Tai Chi and yoga as more of a work in, Right? Everyone likes to work out. We've got to work in sometimes. Um, so so the, the four, he told me the four states of consciousness in the Om symbol. And I'm just like, plow, what? Like, it, the, the four states, not only are there four states, but they're in exactly what I was conceptualizing in the book, in a duality of polarity, if you will. Two different sets of two. Um, and, and then he tells, I'm, my mind is blown at, at that point. And he, and then he tells me, but Ethan, it's all about 108. And I was like, 108, there's 104 numbers between them. I'm not even 
I thought I knew four. Now I'm thinking I don't even know four. You're telling me about 108. And I told him that. And I was like, I know that there's 108 movements in Tai Chi. He's like, yes, you know, that's why I'm telling you, because I know that you'll you'll dig into it or that I'm obsessive compulsive. Right. But so he told me about the 108 being, you know, essentially eclipsing four. And I'm I'm I finished four the book on four and I started looking into 108 and um, found that, you know, as I relate in the geometry of energy, among many um, um, amazing things about 108 is, is that I think it is and was perhaps an instruction, excuse me, an instruction on meditation itself as, as I relate. Um, and it's be one with the breath, allow zero things to coalesce, past, present, future, heroic, bad, whatever, and tap into the infinite. One, zero, eight. And, you know, um, depending on how they're written, obviously, these, these numbers, for what it's worth, are the only numbers that when you put them in a mirror, they're the same, right? So they kind of have this shape aspect going on with them. There's, there's reasons behind that. But, but the one is just one line. Uh, the zero is a circle, and the eight is the infinite symbol, right? And this is all the same in South India and and in the development of numbers um, um, all over uh, that we use today too in, in the West and so forth. So one zero eight possibly was not only um, an inference to the magnificence of the universe as silly as that might sound, but it is possibly the simplest meditation instruction utilizing the most profound number. Um, and one day I had written 108 on my back window of my Subaru. I no longer possess, but they're fun cars. And I, I, I noticed that, oh, in the rear view mirror, it's still 108. Right, because it's not like a seven or a four or a three. It's yeah. If you reverse them, they're still the same. Yeah. So it's just and and then um, I realized um, after I I, I just found that uh, to be an appreciative uh, quality. Um, But when I started conceptualizing the geometry of energy, which is points, lines, planes, and solids, I could see that there was a relationship in the 108, possibly. The one being the line, the zero being the circle, the eight being the infinite volume or unity expansion, and the dot, of of course, the point not being there because it's a point. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know for this, you know, none of this is really necessarily factual, and it's so conceptual that you know, I'm not trying to say that's a, a truth, but it's a, a neat way that they relate. Um, the, 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 another beautiful thing about 108 is it's kind of um, its um, own powerful uh, intuition instruction, right? So um, 
a lot, a lot. I think if we intuit things, um, mostly if we might be able to intuit things rather, um, our own thought processes are what is getting in the way, right? From really comprehending uh, uh, any intuition that we might be grasping. It's almost, it's almost, yeah, always. Just like with Tai Chi, God forbid the, the worst thing that we can be ready for is uh, a, um, a confrontation. And if we're not uh, calm, we're going to be fighting someone or something and ourselves, right? So, so um, uh, the, I, I showed the uh, intuition instruction um, to a, you know, a, Hindu guru type and he, he was he was impressed with it and um, I, I forget exactly how I term it um, in in the writing but essentially when we can get out of our own way and make it so there's no obstacles um, we can really perceive um, infinitely a little better I just was looking up 108. I never realized that the Lankavatara Sutra asks 108 questions. It's it's fascinating. Um, there's a lot of things about 108 that are uh, projective. In other words, that they you know you know there was you know a fascination with it and they utilized it right. But there's a lot of things on it, uh, or excuse me, about 108 that are not projective, that are very mathematically amazing, right? Um, but, you know, the, but I think the most amazing thing about 108 is that the solar system is kind of based on uh, ratios having to do with 108. Um, the moon is 108 times the uh, circumference of the moon away from the earth. And the sun is about, again, because we're in a, a, a orbit that varies, the, the sun is about 108 times the distance of the circumference of the sun away yeah. from the earth. 107.51. So... There's a lot of things with 108 that just make you go, wait, what? Um, and and actually, in that in that respect, you know, 108, which which uh, you know ha- has this amazing feature in our solar system, it also might be a, a process or a concept that can be utilized to find habitable planets. Right, because this, if the sun is X big, you want to look at an area 108 times that away from it. Right, so right. finding the habitable zones of planets, you know, may, may be, uh, you know, a way to utilize 108. Wow, I, I never realized that 108 was so important. Like, I've always been familiar, like I'm familiar with like the numerology of like Kabbalah and like Jewish mysticism. Um, but I've never known uh, like, like this side of it. You know, and I, as, as I, as I dig into the, 
more, I guess, the Tibetan Buddhism, uh, the more esoteric Buddhist stuff, and also the, the Chinese Taoist uh, processes, and also the yogi stuff. I find, and there's even stories about this, that um, they, they would come together and share ideas, right? Like, what have, what have you been working on concerning your pursuits of um, rejuvenation and immortality? We're going to all come together. Bring, bring your yogi ideas, bring your Taoist ideas, bring your Buddhist concepts, and we're all going to come together, right? So um, I, I find, and, and also, um, I, I've been looking a lot into Hermetics and Kabbalah, and I find there's components, there's jewels in them all, right? And, and you know, religiosity really makes people into conformists that don't pursue self-development. The tendency is. And, and people that are looking into these, uh, you know, uh, given a bad label, pagan pursuits, right? These are actually still have the jewels of the self-development processes um, overtly explained. Whereas in religiosity, it's, you gotta like really find the allegory, right? You gotta, you gotta bring it out of the, um, the telling. Right. I, I think, I think uh, religions have lost touch with their mystical origins. Certainly. You know, I, <clears throat> I came up with an idea. This is probably my most controversial idea and most uh, little read. <laughs> um, uh, the Metaphysics of Monotheism is the title. And I essentially break down uh, the, the failings of monotheists or monotheism. Um, and, and really, when you're that absolutist, you're destined to be wrong. If, if, and, and monotheists of the three major stripes tend to, tend to point out that they have, all, they all understand that they're worshiping the same God, right? We, we all know that. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. everyone who's looked into the, the, the three major monotheistic religions and, they, and who practice that, those concepts, they all know that they're looking at the same God just differently. And so their insistence on one wayism, right? And it's not that there's one God, it's one way to perceive God, right? It's, it, it's actually worse it, it, it's if you if you only say there's one way to do a thing, you will eventually be wrong, right? Um, Absolutely. And so saying saying that there's one God is actually totally cool. Saying that there's one way in which to perceive and practice worship and consider God, this this is the uh, metaphysical failing um, of of these monotheistic religions um and and so in tai chi the most confounding frustrating thing at first for um beginner practitioners is that there's no one way there is no one tai chi even of wu style or yang style there's a bunch of styles or 
a subtleties that are different within those styles. There's, there's no one quantity. It's, it's quality. It's a quality, right? And, and so is spirituality. It's a quality there. And actually, you know, there, as soon as you say, I am the one, you become distinct and separate. Godliness is a whole different way to perceive things, right? And, and you know, I, I remember as a kid learning about religion and being told that mankind developed and, and evolved to where now we have monotheism. And it used to, we used to have paganism and it was all over the place. And that was a real problem. Hmm, well, I, I think that monotheism is actually the real problem. Because in the past, it was you. You might have been compelled to worship a certain way, depending on the area. But everyone knew that godliness was everywhere. Yeah, everyone knew you know, what you said. What you just said is so profound. You know, by saying "I am the one," automatically separates you from all the interconnectedness. Yes, and you're isolating yourself. And really removing yourself from what is the actual truth. And I think this is why people that are ardent monotheists find it very easy to call other living beings Gollum or uh, whatever, you know, other uh, uh, negative concept they have, non-believers, right? All these things where they're, they're not equal with you because they don't believe the fundamental one-way-ism that you do. And, and of course, not all monotheists are that ardent, but, right. but just the, the philosophy, um, the, the understanding behind it is not necessarily one God, it's one way to perceive God. And that's where the failing is. And, and you pointed out um, the, the separate and distinct thing. So as soon as you say, there's one way, then you actually make two. It's the either, it's the worst either or, right? It's us and them. You automatically create a duality. It automatically creates the us and them, the either or. And, and, And people by way of, you know, godly orders or the inference or imagination of will do anything to support that either or construct. And so it's a consciousness F, right? Biggest consciousness screw over. Sadly, because spirituality, atheism is even actually lower, right? Because it is as absolutist as monotheist, but they say there is no God, right? So if you if you think about it, actually, atheism is even more repugnant in a philosophical sense than 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 monotheism um so spirituality and the pursuit of godliness is beautiful and there is god godliness is everywhere take a look pause you know or sometimes it takes the spiritual two by four and then you come back from a real trauma and you go even this dirt has the godliness in it everything has it you know Mm -hmm. Um, our society is so compelled to be material and greedy that we we overlooked that because it's easier to right. so, so so that brings up like like actually two things that, that that came to my mind as you were saying that 
why when you talk about the duality um yeah one of the cool things like i wanted to go see um hear dalai lama speak one time and wow. and he was doing the teachings of nagarjuna the middle way right and, and that's like one of the primary things that the dalai lama teaches is that is the middle way which is trying to find that way that's not either extreme somewhere yeah, in between beautiful. the duality where beautiful. all possibilities are available and and that that is such a a, a beautiful concept to bring up and it, it reminds me of how i said that the buddhists and the taoists and maybe in the hindus and maybe the yogis or whatever and maybe some other folks we might not even be clear on right now because so much drama has happened that you know but they would all get together and find the middle way or and in that the optimal way right because in in taoist understanding you can relate the middle way as what is called wu way w-e-i and that is the most efficient mannerism to be most graceful with the least effort that's it's the it's the way to grow with the surroundings and not force there to be a dam or a nuclear power plant it's to enhance what already wants to bloom right as opposed to completely just let's let's do something super complicated for some bourgeois fantasy and we'll make a bunch of money <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 there's also something that i've been um pursuing in the forefront of my mind recently is uh, uh, the same idea, the middle way or Wu way, um, but explained or perceived by the Moists, uh, M-O-ists, the Moists. And they are uh, the kind of hermetics, uh, hermeticists from China. They're the logicians from China. Um, and, and they're not so much a, a practiced uh, philosophy or you know um, idealhood at this point in time but but there's still a lot of reckoning to how amazing they were for their time the main construct of the moists is to pursue impartiality right so so just and and that is not to pursue being impartial and uncaring but no to care about the grasshopper as much as you do your sibling Right. Um, and, and we see today, not only in the United States, but especially in the United States, the partisan mind. And what is the partisan mind? It's partial. It's incomplete. <laughs> such an obvious, such an such obvious, an obvious thing. Well, that's the beauty of etymology. Is, <laughs> is it's so revealing of the things right in front of our nose. I love etymology because of sometimes maybe things that aren't in front of our nose even. I just love etymology because it's it was it was right there. That's it so great right though, like partisan part. It's a part of. It's partial. It's, it's partial, partial yeah. and That's therefore great. incomplete. And so the more ardent the partisanship we have, the more they're not observing reality. And therefore, you know how many times I've heard in the past couple months, you have your opinion and I have mine. I, I, I and I want to say no. We, this is not. I'm, I'm conceptualizing off of facts. You're going with your belief system. 
this is very, very partial minded, right? So, so either side, if you will, if one wants to break it down to just the main two sides, either side is being partial to the entirety often, right? One side less than the other nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the pursuit of impartiality is, is a, a, a process for ascension, ascension in and of itself. It is, it is the most quick steadfast way to be you know the the wise man with the fu manchu on the mountain be impartial yes you know it also reminds me like when you mentioned that uh the 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 way um i think i had read a book i think it was like uh chuang zhu the way sure and, yeah uh, I, I think and, that is yeah and he tells a story about um lao zhu and confucius and Confucius walks up on Lao Tzu swimming in the river and he thinks he's drowning. And he's just, he's like, no, man, I'm just, I just let the water take me wherever I go. And I sort of pop up and take a breath and go back under again. Right. Beautiful. Well, that reminds me of, of a, of a wise individual once told me as I was a younger and lesser wise individual and I, and he was explaining something to me and I said, right, like go with the flow go with the flow man and he said yeah that's close flow with the flow yeah flow with the flow it's a little bit different it's a subtle difference but it's a little bit different and when we flow with the flow sometimes to others <laughs> apparently it might look like because we're so in the flow oh wait is he, is he in trouble is he drowning <laughs> So yeah, I I, um, I recently um, published the Tao of Thoth, and uh, I I in it I bring together East and West in a in a way that I'm really excited about um, into eight lessons um, through that one can embody right. So um, the Kaibalian is. Uh, most often associated with Thoth's lessons. Oh, is that the book written by like three initiates and the three initiates has, this, has this, those seven principles? Exactly. Exactly. I read that. <laughs> and and it's it's a one of those books that's so simple in its profundity, right? Like yes, you can I've... you can read it again and again, and it always has another layer for you, right? Yes. Um, and uh, what I did was take the seven principles that, and those are natural law principles or uh, hermetic principles, however you want to put it. Um, take those principles and explain them in a way that one can embody through Tai Chi, right? Because that's kind of, if that book was lacking anything, it was a way to really embody those lessons. And if Tai Chi is focused on anything, it's how to embody philosophy, how to really embody it in our organ system even, right? So um, I, I explain those ideas in, in uh, Eastern and Western concepts. And of course, you know, the polarity principle, the polarity tenet from yes. the Kaibalian is number four, right? 
um, just just as we're talking about four and polarity, right? So so the duality the, and that that rule or tenet says that everything has pairs of opposites. Yeah, I remember reading that. That's like one of those things like that really started making me think of things differently when I read that in that book. Absolutely. Because I was like, like it, like it compares like good and bad to like hot and cold. They're just two opposite right. sides to the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. the same and, thing. And, and, and in Tai Chi, um, when we think about opposites, well, actually, one of the more profound way to understand opposites is not in the fact that they're opposites. It's it in that they are contrasts and mutually or codependent contrasts, right? Like you can't have the good without the bad. You can't have summer without winter. Um, you cannot have your yin without your yang. Right. Um, so, so uh, interestingly enough, the 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 polarity law says that um, there's everything is pairs of opposites. Most people, when they look at the uh, yin yang symbol, right, the the two swirls, the positive and negative, they note that it is two parts. It's not. It's actually four parts. And so the polarity rule. Actually, the way he, the way it's said in the Kaibalian, it could be taken almost two ways. Everything has pairs of opposites. Does that mean that it has two? Does that mean two pairs or a pair at one pair? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, but the way most people take it is that there's simply two parts, right? But so let, let, the yin yang symbol is actually in Chinese they call it the Taiji, the grand ultimate symbol or the grand ultimate mandala. And it is made up of yin, yang, right? It's made up of four parts, major yin, major yang, minor yin, minor yang, which are the dots, the points in the swirls, right? So it's actually the taiji or the grand ultimate is actually at its most basic construct, just like the other oldest symbol on the planet, Om. The, the Om, is made up of four basic states. And also the, the other, <laughs> to be silly, the other other oldest symbol, the cross, of course, is a duality of polarity in rule. For, for every two lines that intersect, make four parts, make four corners. And the cross is duality of polarity at its most in your face (laughs) you know um and and of course the cross in the circle is you know one of these you know not not simply christian symbols that it is widely used across the world and that that's a mathematical constant two lines that intersect create four corners four parts So I, I was looking into the, um, the relationship between the East and the West to come up with the Tao of Thoth, because as I started um, uh, learning more about Tai Chi and more about the Kobayan, it became clear to me that they were talking about the same things. 
um, a lot, a lot, not always, um, not in total, but, but the general tenets of the Kaibalian are right uh, um, important tenets of Tai Chi. And yet there was, in Tai Chi, uh, seven is not the number, eight is the number, right? Because of, for Bagua, which means set of eight. And the Bagua is the set of eight trigrams that are often displayed around the yin yang symbol. And so I was like, seven, now oh, there's, the, there's the missing eighth. And then I happened upon a, a person's um, eloquent lecture, lecture that I, I was already a fan of him. And then I saw his lecture on natural law, um, Mark Passio. And he relates the eighth, the missing eighth tenet. And I was like, oh my, oh my gosh, that's it. And there's, there's the Bagua relationship. And then I'm starting to research about it. And I, I didn't know this. I would have started the book sooner if I had known this before. <laughs> um, uh, Thoth is related to Hermes. The Hermes is the Greek counterpart of Thoth. Right. And uh, this is because every city, excuse me, every god in Egypt had a city as their foundation of worship. And the city that Thoth was founded on was Hermopolis, Hermes Hermopolis. And Hermopolis, it doesn't mean the city of Thoth. It means the city of eight. And when I learned that it meant that Hermopolis meant the city of eight, I was really uh, awestruck um, for that was the relation that I was kind of intuiting. I was thinking there was a missing eighth. And then when I found out, oh yeah, there's, it's, it's, it's in his very city. The city of his worship is named, not his name, it's named the eight, right? And so the, the Chinese equivalent of, of Thoth is uh, Nu Zi and, and Mua Fuwa, Fu, Fuzi, Fuzi and Nuwa, F-U-X-I, and Nuwa is his feminine counterpart, and they are most often depicted with snake bodies and human uh, uh, upper torsos from the upper torso, uh, uh, interwoven like the staff of Hermes has the interwoven snakes, and this is Fuzi and Nuwa. Fuzi and Nuwa are the Taoist, is the Taoist presentation of Thoth. And Fuzi and Nuwa are given credit for inventing writing and inventing the Bagua and so on and so forth. Um, so so um, uh, the missing eighth tenet, or, or perhaps not missing, but the overlooked eighth tenet, as, as Mark Passio puts it, is care. What I, and I put it as patient caring. Um, and you really can't have one without the other. In Tai Chi, the most important thing to um, uh, foster and, and, and bring, bring out a quality is patience. And this allows us also 
to be more relaxed in more stressful situations. Um, so patient caring is key to Tai Chi. And it's also the, the missing quality that when we put into these other principles really, really blossoms them, right? Can blossom them. That's interesting. Are you familiar at all with like the, um, the Emerald Tabloid? I mean, I don't, I, my familiarity is, is with it is that I question it. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's real. But, but I mean, from the Emerald Tablet is the tenets of the Kabayan, supposedly. Mm -hmm. Right? So, I mean, whether or not the Kaibalian is based on the Emerald Tablet and whether or not the Emerald Tablet is real, the, the tenets communicated in it are profound, right? So, you know, it doesn't matter if like the, um, uh, the Indian told the story about the bear. If the story is telling people not to litter, let's, let's go, you know, like that's not a bad story. I like it. Right. And, and so the, the Emerald tablets, uh, Emerald tablet dis displays these very powerful comprehensive ideas. So, whether it's real or not is almost at this point, thousands of years later, almost doesn't even matter because the profundity of the lessons imparted are, are really what's important. Yes, I, I, definitely. Um, so I like to be grounded, although I have written about wild stuff. I like uh -huh. to bring it in a way that's very grounded, like, that I'm not trying, like, yeah, I try, I, I, sometimes I communicate with people that are on the new age thing. I, I'm not on the new age thing. I'm on the old age thing. I'm into Tai Chi and hermetics type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the new age I find is often watered down and not really promoting the real in, in say, the Emerald Tablets, right? Not finding there often enough, <laughs> finding a way to be ardent or partial about the the laws, right? So they're not really they're still on that monotheistic thing, you know. It, they don't even realize it, but. Hmm. Um. You know, I think Aleister Crowley did some merging too with philosophies from the East and the West. You know, I mean, I, I started looking into him because he wrote a lot about Thoth. Yeah. Uh, and, he wrote and the in, book of Thoth. <laughs> he, 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 wrote, he wrote the book of it, right? Yeah. And uh, his, his tarot uh, book, too. Um, and, and he, you know, I think he variously communicated, said that he communicated with Thoth. I mean, I think a lot of times a lot of people get a bad rap um, and, and Crowley has an aspect of that, but I think it was really easy for him to get a bad rap, <laughs> right? So, um, I mean, I, I, I definitely have looked into his writing and I appreciate it. Some of it is wildly esoteric for me even. Um, and, and so, um, you know, I tried to really make it the the Tao of thought i tried to really make it a way to embody the lessons 
mostly through Tai Chi. So it's, it's really, although it's exploring these Western concepts, mm-hmm. it's really through the Tai Chi um, rather uh, than uh, through, through the traditionally understood uh, Western hermetics. Awesome. Um, I, I think I read another book one time. I don't think it's even around anymore. Um, that compared that compared Taoism uh, to Kabbalah, and it was interesting because because it, it used a lot of the 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 numerology to explain it. Well, I wanted to mention one of the things that I found as I'm looking into the Kabbalah. And as me doing so with my obsession of four is the construct of the four worlds. Yes. Right. Yeah, so, it, yeah. And also in the tarot, you know, you have ab- like the, 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 well, the, the air, water, earth, fire. And, and, and even more to the geometry of energy idea in the tarot is the swords is symbolic for the point. The staff is symbolic for the line. The coins or the pentacles are, of course, symbolic for the circle, or, or excuse me, the plane. And, and the cups are symbolic for the volume. So when I, when I actually found wow. the correlation, <laughs> the correlation with, the, with the tarot, I was, and it's there, right? It's a set of four that we're yeah. all familiar with. But... Um, when I conceive the relationship with the tarot, demonstrating geometry, not because because those are not coincidental symbols there, right? Those are fundamental symbols, and the sword might arguably arguably be symbolic for the line if it weren't for the alternate staff or wand, right? So the right. sword, the most important thing about the sword is the point, right? Yes. Not, there is also the line, but the, it's all about the point. And, and so um, it, it's very obvious, we compelling the relationships between tarot and what I call the geometry of energy. This way to kind of almost not only understand meditation and create meditation in one's own capacity, but a way to really understand energy. And, and the subtle energy that people gain intuition from, which is what the divination cards of the tarot are. So, yeah, what the, the looking into uh, Crowley and so forth, as, I'm, as I was writing the, the Tao of Thoth, I, I gained a, um, I, I wouldn't say renewed, but I gained a, a new um, respect for what he did because it was just so wildly deep. But I also, you know, a lot of the things he did were highly questionable. But a lot of the things that he were, he was uh, said to do that were questionable were probably just, uh, you know, you know, uh, exaggerations. Of yeah, things. that's what I think too. I think a lot of it was just, uh, I don't know, showmanship or whatever, or just rumors. Because I had. And, um, and- I had Lon Milo Duquette on my show not too long ago, and and he runs Crowley's old organization. Cool. And um, you know, in his like he never met Crowley himself, but sure. the person that he took over the organization did, 
And, you know, the view that I got of Crowley that I got from him was, was a lot different than I want that I've generally heard. Right. And, and I, I too have listened to some people that um, had um, uh, relationships to people that had a relationship with him. And it seemed to me too that, yeah, that, that doesn't strike me as the same exaggeration of this horrible person that is supposed to have written these amazing books. So it just, I, I think, I'll, you know, I forget which book it was, but one of the books he wrote ended with, or maybe it began with burn this book immediately and make a, you know, um, uh, uh, a statement and a passed a spell on it. And, you know, so, I mean, how are you not, I mean, that's real easy to get a bad reputation of some various individual or that type of thing, but it probably is an exciting way to sell a book. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, again, what, how much was, you know, uh, this, this kind of way to get people interested? How much was it like dark forces? I mean, I don't know, you know, um, so, but I, I like to look at everyone as being multifaceted people. We're multidimensional folks, right? We all are capable of doing good and bad and maybe in the same day, but certainly over the course of a lifetime, we change a lot. One, one changes a lot. So maybe he had whatever weird interest when he was 20 something that he, no, he didn't no longer have when he was 50 something. Yeah, he may have grown. Like most people, <laughs> like most of us. Um, and I want I wanted to mention um, the you know the the concept of the four worlds is so of, of the Kabbalah is so powerful, um, but at its most simple, is is a really powerful lesson, and and it is something that I think we've all kind of tasted before, but the way it's put. Um, it through the four worlds lesson um, is is uh, powerful um, and essentially everything starts in the most most ethereal of the worlds and and the most powerful of the worlds are uh, is the one that we can least detect so we're here on this plane and this is the fourth world the 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 um, something happens in the first world it takes going through the second floor, down to the third floor and fourth floor, and, and then it's delivered upon this physical realm. So, so the spiritual and the metaphysical or the beyond physical is the most powerful world, the most powerful dimension. Right. Which, which again relates to that concept of the point beyond the Mara. Mm-hmm beyond the sea of Mara, beyond the point, beyond the veil, that is from where the most essence is, right? Um, and so the more capable we are of, the more sensitive we are of perceiving the physical and the metaphysical, the more we'll be in tune with things before others sense them, right? And so um, this, this lesson, the lessons in the four worlds are, you know, right parallel with the Om and the yin yang and, you know, have, have their own, uh, you know, deeper lessons beyond just that relationship. But I find that that is a powerful one. It, it starts in the least physical of the realms. Yeah. When I was talking to, um, 
to Lon, he gave a description of Kabbalah through like the 10, 10 spheres of it. Right. And he gave this description of like, like there's a God and then God dreams about himself. Then himself falls, that, that dream falls asleep and becomes another dream mm-hmm. all the way down to the material world where the, you've, it's completely forgotten that right. it's God. And then it has to work its way back up to its source. That's a, that's a beautiful way to explain it. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it's layers upon layers like that. And, you know, the Masons have uh, a phrase that imparts a secret. And um, I don't know, I forget exactly how it's delivered, but four equals ten, ten equals four. And in, in the... In the presentation of the, the Sephiroth, right? The ten Sephiroths is what it is, I think, right? And they are in the four worlds, right? Those, those ten dimensions are on the tree of life yes. are, are in each the of the four them. worlds. Yeah, that worlds. makes sense. And, and so the, that, that phrase, if, where, if where four equals ten, how? What, how does that work? What, but also... Another, another neat little mathematical certainty um, with points and lines is uh, if you have the, uh, I forget what the triangle is called, but, but there's um, a, tr- a triangle presented with four parts at the base, three parts, then two parts, then one part. That also equates to four. Um, and so this was like one of the first, uh, you know, little um, number games that they would play, the, the magic squares and stuff. They would, they would also use this magic triangle, which is the four, three, two, and one. Four mm. equals ten. Four equals ten. Um, so, but it's, it's one of those things where you're like, how, what? But also four equals ten because four is symbolic for completion. So is 10. That makes sense. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, so the, the, the Bagua was created by Fu Zi, who is the Chinese uh, version of Thoth. So I find like um, a lot of things that we personify or put into um, a character or an archetype. Like these are energy conceptualizations, right? So that thought energy is something that we can pursue. And this is what Taoists and Moists and Hermeticists do. It's all about self-development, right? And, and actually the, the title and the title Hermes was given to a very few in the days of old because they had become so learned. Um, so, so all these all these practices are pursuing self development to the point where people eventually go, you know what? Maybe we don't need that whole state thing, that that church institution. Do we? Do you think we need? to give them money all the time, right? <laughs> it, it becomes a really subversive thing, self-development. And that's why it's been 
kind of hidden away, uh, meta metaphorically presented, right? Um, um, so that it's not necessarily subversive to the powers that be. In fact, it supports the powers that be. Not necessarily saying one way that that's bad or good, but the removal of self-development, that's certainly bad, right? Um, and, and this has happened all over the world with, with the Tibetan Buddhists, the Taoists, the Moists, and the Hermeticists, right? And this is, I mean, this is the very uh, label of Hermeticists. We must, hermet, we must seal this information. Her, the hermetically sealed unit. Yes. Right? Is not only the secrets that are imparted, but it's our bodies even too. Right. And and so Tai Chi develops our very bodies to change our mind. In fact, there's a lot of neuroscience trickery that is total Tai Chi. We engage our body in a relaxed manner and trick it to produce quality chemicals in our hermetically sealed unit. <laughs> um, and so all these all these things are about self-development and all the institutions uh you know kind of held it down uh restricted it you know um since you're into the kabbalah and i have a thought if if, if i have a, a minute um, sure. um the there's um uh noted to be from uh the the Jewish text, not the Kabbalah, but the uh, um, I'm forgetting the name of the supposed book right now. But um, there's a, a Hebrew text um, that has what is known as the four parts or the four modes to paradise. Um, and and you know Hebrew of course doesn't have uh, vowels, so it's P R D S. Therefore, sometimes called the four, um, four parts or mm -hmm. four aspects to paradise. And it, in its beginning presentation, it is four manners to interpret uh, theological text, which is just beautiful in itself. <laughs> um, and, and it's very much, of course, in the duality of polarity. There are four ways to interpret theological text and religious lessons, but also beyond this is actually applicable to other concepts as well. Very powerful. The four ways are literal, uh, um, literal and metaphorical, literal and allegorical, right? And, and most monotheism is very specific about which one one can interpret the story in fact the more ardent the monotheism the more likely the story is literal always right so there's there's the literal and the allegorical which these are kind of contrasts in and of themselves but 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 just knowing that there's those two ways to perceive a theology lesson is like almost a sin among some circles <laughs> okay so the first the first duality is literal and metaphorical or literal and allegorical the second is comparative and secretive um and so 
this is also often often used among monotheists, but definitely with those who are pursuing spiritual. In fact, a lot of this show was me being comparative, right? Oh. So, so um, the the comparative construct is is really great, whether within just the book, right? There's another monotheist term as as one could get, right? What what book the because <laughs> that's what the bible means right it's yes. the book um and so uh um in in the in the book there are many um opportunities to find the comparative lessons right um and the secretive of course well it's a secret right but but there's all kinds of ways uh um that one can find to use that Right um, or even secrets that you might find that um, are are revealing, but but the literal, allegorical, comparative, and secretive ways to understand spiritual lessons and even what's going on in the world sometimes just blew my mind. I know the, I, I wanted to share that because the four parts are so powerful. The four parts are one of those, and just like all these sets of four, actually, they all have this basic principle premise that literally you could take, like you said, you, you, um, the, your mind's blown. That's because you can take that simple four-part process everywhere and find, you, and, and you even intuitively recognize that there's ways I could use this. I don't even really realize yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it completely deconstructs reality into something different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the book that uh, the four parts are from, but one, one Google search will, will, will get you that. I, I, I'm, I guess I'm good at remembering concepts, but not t names. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really good at remembering anything, period. <laughs> sure, sure, that happens too. Oh, man. Yeah, the four parts, and, and they're called, even though there's, right, like the, they're the P-R-D-S uh, words in Hebrew, they're, far, they're called the four modes to paradise, the four aspects of paradise, because literally everyone goes, wow, you just blew my mind. I'm, I'm now, I can, I can, totally perceive the world in a different way right now because you can you can perceive paradise a little closer right that that point beyond the mara oh uh, yeah maybe it's i think i see it over the waters <laughs> <laughs> you start to get it a little bit it, it's these these four these sets of four are all about providing a way to um utilize uh your own processes better and actually one of the one of the more beautiful sets of four has been right in our face the whole time is is totally like uh, obviously used for what it's presented as and then also used for wild other things other things that we couldn't even imagine when we first learned it there's all of mathematics all of mathematics in its infinite complexity is based on four operations there's not five they you look see, addition subtraction that's it 
multiplication and division. And they are set up in the duality of polarity. They are polarized concepts, right? Um, so, and, and math is utilized for numbers, but it's also once you're really efficient at utilizing it, like the, say the concept behind the uh, Tai Chi or yin yang symbol, once you're efficient at utilizing it, you're using it for sailing, right? Math is used for sailing and exploring the universe and all these, all these things like, I don't even know how to use math, how much it's used, right? And it's, and it's the four operations. Yeah. yeah. All, all of it. I never really thought of that. It's one of those things that, you know, when you're obsessed with four like me, <laughs> start to go, oh, wait. So using these techniques with the number four, how can a person um, make that applicable to everyday life? to become more spiritually aware? Well, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways, right? Like we went over the, the four aspects of energy, right? The point, line, planes, and, and uh, the points, lines, circles, and planes. Planes and uh, uh, volume, excuse me. Um, th this can be used for a whole way to comprehend meditation, which I wrote about in the geometry of energy, yeah. for instance. Um, but I mean, with, with the yin yang symbol, uh, or the Tai Chi symbol, um, you know, mostly when people come up to us in a confrontational manner, uh, let me just bring it to its most basic, right? Because the most basic horrible event is a confrontation. And so the mo when someone's being confrontational with us, verbal or physical, we tend to fall into a reaction mode, right? And there, there's another, like the etymology lesson in that word is yeah. quite profound. We don't want to act. We don't want to act again, definitely. We don't want to react anything. All the world's a stage, but I'm trying not to be in your drama that you're in the confrontation mode, right? So you're the, the, the confrontation starter is expecting me to react a certain way, right? To bring yang energy to their yang energy and there to be a thing. Well, what if I just let it go and I have yin energy let his some somehow either directly if it's a swipe or or metaphorically if it's if it's verbal energy uh, inter interchange right there's there's ways to deflate confrontation um, and eliminate friction just just through understanding you know I could be hard or soft and I could be soft with a little bit of hardness in its core or hard with a little bit of softness in its core. Uh, one of the pursuits of Tai Chi is to be like steel wrapped in cotton. We wanna be grounded, but we wanna be soft. 
And we want to be totally steady, but we want to have the appearance of softness, right? Because you don't want to walk around angry all the time, right? <laughs> um, so then people want to take you on. They want to fight you or they, they think you have a problem with them or something, right? It's just you want to, be, you want to carry yourself softly in the world, but yet be firmly rooted. Um, so, I mean, the, just the yin-yang symbol has, you know, innumerable lessons that one can find um, in that relationship of softness and hardness. Um, and, and, you know, with the Om symbol, I just think about always trying to pursue being in that third state. You know, every once in a while, if, if not on the daily, pursue being in a wu-wei mode, in an impartial, relaxed state to where you can be in tune with nature, right? Um, so. Absolutely. I always like to take the path of least resistance. Right. It's a really, really easy thing to say, but sometimes when we're, getting confronted we fall into it or or something right where we find ourselves reacting right, right? yeah like, like you said like it's my mind that gets in the way it's it's right right um <laughs> nobody a, trips me up better than myself absolutely and you know and that can happen you know usually people that are fighting and aggressive might be inebriated right an inebriated person might take a swipe at a person and fall on their face the other person never even touched them that's how <laughs> much that's how much we might be in our own way right um and you know there's a story about this guy he goes to japan learns martial arts he's now feeling like he could take on anything in the world anyone not afraid of anyone and it's a real relaxed feeling and he's exploring japan and everything's lovely and he's just on a little adventure on his own and he goes to this restaurant his understanding of japanese is very limited he goes to a restaurant and there's a very angry person right and and he's like oh well this might have to do something here he's really messing with that lady he's mad at the bartender i don't know what he's saying i don't know i have no idea what's going on but i might i might have to do something i don't want him hurting anybody and then all of a sudden this old guy walks over to the angry drunk guy at the bar and he starts talking to him and apparently what he said was hey you all right everything okay at home i love this time of day the sun is setting having sake this time of day is the greatest can i buy you some sake i usually have sake at home with my wife what what about you oh my wife she dumped me thank you for saying hello to me everyone else is treating me like i'm a savage my wife thinks I'm a set, right? So the guy just completely starts bawling and opening up to the old guy. He just said, hey, is everything okay? <laughs> so, so sometimes we all need that, right? I mean, yeah. in the world, the world collectively certainly needs just to hear, hey, 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 everything's all right. Can we just, can we do something about this? Can, whatever your problem is, I totally, I totally get it, you know? Instead of, oh, we got it. Someone's got to take on this dude. It's about to go down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to know a Zen teacher. His motto was, how can I help you? Beautiful. 
You know, my motto is the uh, kind of that with an exaggeration or an expansion. How can I help you to help yourself? Right. Because like that's what the Tai Chi lessons and a lot of like the four parts, a lot of these things like, yeah, just put it in your back pocket. Keep that for later. Cause that, that's gonna, that's gonna be your tool now. That's, that's your tool, however you want to apply it. If you, if you have to use it on the drunk bad guy, or if you have to maybe heal the drunk bad guy, you know, by just being nice, mm-hmm. you'll find, you'll find a way to use these things. Go ahead. <clears throat> oh, that's great, man. Um, so, so where can my uh, listeners find you? Um, you know, I'm all over social media. Um, and, uh, like I was a graffiti artist, I'm all over. <laughs> and, uh, my books of course are on Amazon and I even noticed they're being sold on other places. I don't know how, how they pay me. How that yeah, I don't know how that happens either. <laughs> my book too. Does that. <laughs> yeah. You're like, wait, wh- how? all right. I guess I'm in. So yeah, Amazon is probably the best way to get my books. Um, and um, I'm, I'm all over the social media on the usual platforms. And I always enjoy uh, reaching out, or people communicating, and, and I like reaching out back type of thing. So Cool, man. Well, what I'll do is I'll post a link um, to your books on Amazon in the notes to this episode. Cool. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. That's very helpful. So that way everybody can find your stuff. Cause I'm sure after listening to this episode, everybody's going to be looking for books on four. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I'm probably going to spend the next couple of days obsessed with the number four. It's, it's so profoundly deep. It's, and it's a lot like 108. Like sometimes you'll find things that are projective. In other words, that we are intuitively understanding the, the the intrinsic value of a four set system but but often enough they're very uh concrete right it's it's not projectional nature it's very concrete um precepts right you can't there's there's only so many ways to do math if you will right Right. And, and so there's there's only only so many ways to conceive uh subjects and objects as well. Mind blowing. Yeah, no, the four the the four has really honestly, I say this on the humble because I wrote it, the four has helped me in so many ways that I, again, I can't even count the ways, right? Like uh, finding the geometry of energy, the relationships between meditation and geometry, that was one of them. And I wrote a book on it, right? So, um, um, and, and Tai Chi, just, just that concept of understanding the yin-yang is actually a four-part symbol, right? That, that again, says unfolded um, in ways that... I forget right now, (laughs) but ways that really are profound at the time when you realize there's a subtle shift in how we 
present things that can make it work better, right? Like I, I, I had the idea one time, your heart was placed right. It just wasn't in the right place. Or no, your heart was in the right place. It just wasn't placed right. Right. So you, your motivations were correct. You, you wanted to do the right thing, but it just was not angled just right. Sometimes that's all it takes because everything is so finicky, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> your, your heart's in the right place, but just not placed right. I make that mistake almost every day. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things that we can <laughs> really relate to. And cause you know, uh, intention it's all about it's all about intention right do do we do we intend to cause hindrance or helpfulness right like you gotta there's there's a one way one way to look at the opposites unfold right and are we looking to hinder others or ourselves really not are we really not hindering ourselves at all (laughs) like let's double check that question right again (laughs) <laughs> intention is such a powerful thing yeah you know um there's one more set of four let me relate if we have if we have a second yeah go ahead um there's in in buddhist teachings there's uh four aspects um of of reality basically right and it's um uh uh, the, there's the precious human body, which is us, the point. And there's, uh, the, ah, I'm, I'm forgetting, I'm, I'm forgetting the four now. Maybe I better not, I better not get into it because I'm forgetting the, the process. <laughs> <I'm all laughs> uh, but the, they're the four, uh, the four thoughts of Buddha, like they they were so important that that's just, they're just called the four thoughts, right? So just just an interesting thing for people to look up. Yeah, in fact, Buddhism has a lot of stuff that's in fours. So the four so noble many. truths. Um, right, the four noble truths. Um, there, there's the four there's thoughts, so many of them. Yeah, no, the, the four noble truths and the four thoughts yeah. and uh, the four immeasurables. Are yes, the, the immeasurables. The My first important. Buddhist teacher used to always do those every week and and these are not only meditative lessons but also meditations and also systems um that really you could spend so much time uh uh, conceptualizing and learning from just just the four thoughts and the and the four um um uh immeasurables and and the four immeasurables are are and the four thoughts um, are totally related to without much imagination the four dimensions of geometry right um, and I am not able to pull them off the tip of my tongue right this second but the four immeasurables essentially def- define what is love yes right because there's love for self there's love for others there's love for the happiness of others, which is, is like the circle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's love for all things in equanimity, which is the unity expansion, right? Or the volume. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the, the, <laughs> the definition of love 
in in Buddhism is presented in four dimensions. Yes, which is which is just just beautiful. And again, yeah, just conceptualizing those are are a meditation unto itself. Um, just sitting back and saying, well, how did I love myself today? How did I love others? And how did I love the happiness of others? Because each, just like with geometry, each one of the prior dimensions is required for the next. You can't love others without loving yourself. You can't love happiness of others without loving others. And you can't, how, and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. Um, so it's just, just like geometry in the formation of points, of lines from points, circles from lines, planes from circles. <laughs> uh, volumes from planes, excuse me. It's incredible, man. Yeah, the four, the four that, that's another thing that I had already conceptualized when I was uh, conceiving the uh, four dimensions of geometry related to meditation. I already had a grasp of all these fours, sets of four, as being intrinsically valuable. And then when I started applying it just in the modality of geometry, the four dimensions of geometry, I, I could see all these lessons unfolding um, in, in manners uh, that, that were really valuable and correlative to um, each other um, and blossoming from one another. Um, so in, in the geometry of energy, there's a really powerful, simple meditation that uses the four thoughts and the four immeasurables mm. um, that, I, that I learned from a, a Tibetan Buddhist. Um, you know. Yeah, that's where I learned it too. Cool, cool. <laughs> Dude, you were a great guest. Thanks for coming on today. No, thank you so much, Gary. I'm, I, I really, oh, that, was, that was fun. We got to um, really bring out a lot of insight. So uh, thank you. Awesome. I'm going to stay on for a second. I'm going to talk to you off the cool. air. Cool. And your name is Ethan, Ethan Indigo, Indigo Smith. Um, Smith, right? Yep. And I'm all, I'm all over the internet, as they say. You know, I think I found you when I was searching for Indigo children. Cool. <laughs> well, I am, I am the epitome of an Indigo child. <laughs> I, am, I am rebellious and smart to the point of, uh, you know, scaring people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Hold on one second. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, 
and subscribe.